you ready? Uh, I'm going to build a picture for you behind me, and I've asked um, that we would leave it there uh, for you. So, like, some people like to take photos to, so they can go home and process, because I'm going to put scriptures and stuff on here. So, so, just let you know, you can take notes. I encourage you to, because it helps you listen, but also um, it will be available for you to take a, a photo of um, at the end of um, our time together this morning. So, if you've got your Bibles... I want you to flick over to, um, we can put the heading of the, the message up, uh, because I'm going to read from Mark chapter 4, verse 35. How many of you saw the video on Facebook, on our public Facebook page um, that advertised? Just, um, it's always good to watch what's happening. Yeah. Uh, we, we use Facebook as a communication medium, uh, and I, I put this up just as a teaser, this video. Um, this is the title of the message, for those of you who take notes, Storms are Preparation. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although some boats did follow. (coughs) Soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. So look at that picture. It's just a Google picture. It's not an actual, like, this is what happened and someone had a selfie stick out the back of the boat. But this is kind of like fierce storm. So get into the story. Don't just read it and go, oh, nice. No, no, put yourself in the boat. Waves crashing over the boat to the point where they are fearing for their lives. Phil Brown, not here, but uh, I've been sailing with Phil uh, and, uh, on Lake Rotoiti, and he likes to crank the sail in so the boat tips. And he's very comfortable with that. I must tell you, I am not very comfortable with that. (laughs) Whilst I don't fear for my life, because the water's usually flat, um, a sailor is quite happy with water coming into the boat. But imagine this. Some of these guys are sailors. They've been on the water all their lives. The storm rages. This is um, the Sea of Galilee. It's like a valley with a funnel. So when the wind whips in there, it whips up the surface of the lake and churns it. And the boat is uh, feeling like, uh, well, certainly the disciples are feeling like the boat's going to go under. Waves breaking into the boat and began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care? that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped. Man, I'd love to see that. Wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Even the wind and the waves obey him. So, so today's message is um, called Storms Are Preparation. And uh, I'm going to draw this little picture up here for you. Um, so my office was like kindergarten this week. Uh, and Alina was coaching me in how to use the um, guillotine, uh, which I did not succeed at straight away. But um, anyway... Uh, so we've got this, this left side of the board here, which is about preparation, and you can see the title of the message is, Storms Are Preparation. You can see the waves, and so what I need to do is um, draw 
the disciples' boat in the waves for you, just so you know what's happening in the story. And, and the waves are coming into the boat, and the disciples are terrified, and Jesus is asleep in the back, and, um, and this is preparation for something. It's preparation. Some of you are going through a storm at the moment. Some of you feel like the waves are crashing over you. Some of you feel like, ah, I'm going to die. But what I want you to know, something I prepared earlier, storms are preparation. So we've got to tune in to what God's doing. Yeah. Right? We've got to tune in. So we'll just put that there to remind you. Storms are preparation. So we've got to tune, what is God doing? Like I'm freaking out here, God. Freaking out here. But God is up to something. You want to know what God is up to? You're not sure? You're not sure? Okay, we've got to, we've got to look at the story um, because it's going to give us some context. But some of the things that I get out of this is, um, is, uh, is this. Fear. So who had fear in the story? Disciples. Fear is faith in the wrong thing. Fear is a belief that you carry, but all it is is you putting your faith in something that's not him. Don't take that as condemnation. Take that as something from Because what did Jesus say? He said to his disciples in verse 40, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? What's, what, what's been going on in here? You know, he's, just, he's just sat beside the other side of the lake in a boat teaching people. He's talked about with his disciples about the kingdom of God. He's, he's told them you know, certain truths. You know, if, you go, if you just read backwards, he's been healing people and teaching um, in, in a synagogue, which is their modern-day gathering on a, on a Saturday for them. He's talked about who he is, and then they're freaking out. And he's like, do you still not have faith? And, and so we've got to be careful that we remember this point here. Because it's in the story. There's a cushion under his head. And what you need to know is the Prince of Peace is always with you. In the storm. When you go through stuff. When you are struggling. When you feel like the waves are crashing over you. When your spouse is not loving you the way that you expect them to. When your boss is not giving you the, the pay that you deserve or the respect you deserve. When the community or is fighting against you, um, sickness is a big thing. Uh, you know, this winter, it just seems to be one of those years where everyone just gets smashed and you just can't get rid of it. Half our staff have been wiped out. Kudos to the band. Most of them were sick this week and they still turned up yesterday for practice and this morning to lead you in worship. Awesome. Why? Because the Prince of Peace is always with us. So we can look at the waves, which is what the disciples did, or we can look at the guy sleeping in the back of the boat. One of my sayings that I've been um, reminding people about lately, uh, we've been, um, if you haven't been here, there's been a teaching four-week process where um, I was away and the team led you through what we just called the journey. And we looked at the Exodus, which included the book of Exodus, but other messages around that. We looked you know, at um, the manna and the quail and God and how he, how he um, was with people. You know, we looked at the golden calf. We looked at the spies going in and what they experienced. And last week, what did I talk on last week? 
Monuments. That's right. Thanks. One person was listening. Monuments um, that are established in our lives. So we've been talking about going on a journey. And so this, this little saying that I've been um, reminding us lately is because journey sounds good, you know, and, and we've got some promises and we keep reminding ourselves the glory cloud is coming and God is good and he's going to lead us into a land flowing with milk and honey and all that's awesome. But what you've got to remember is God's promises demand God's process. Because God can give you the best promise in the world, but if you don't have the character to carry that promise, you're going to lose it. God can give you a land flowing with milk and honey, an abundant uh, home with love and joy, but if you fail in the character department or the stewardship department, then you're going to lose the promise. And God knows that. Because remember, He designed us as His children. He designed us as um, the ones that He would devote all His attention to, and, and he knows that we need to be refined and prepared so we know that God's promise demand God's process. Perhaps the storm you're in is preparation for something. So I teach those that I work with a little saying, and do you want to know what it is? You interested, like some of you? Um, so, so I teach people to ask God this question in their prayer life. And you, you've got to do this in a journal because otherwise you might not hear clearly. Is God, what are you trying to teach me? In this moment, when I feel like the waves are crashing into the boat, God, what are you trying to teach me? God, when I, when I can't see your provision in my life, I'm about to lose my job and I can't pay my bills, God, what are you trying to teach me in this moment? Because the Prince of Peace is always with me. He's always there. God is omnipresent, which means he's never away from you, even if you don't recognize it. You might feel like he's absent, but he's not, because the Bible says he's always with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. So he's there. You might not connect with him, but that's okay. He's there. I'm telling you to believe the Prince of Peace is always with you. God, what are you trying to teach me in this moment? What can I do in this season to be obedient and learn what you've got for me? God is always with us. What, um, what I want to do is, um, is uh, maybe jump ahead and, and then I'll come back, if that's okay. So, so pick up your Bibles again. Let's look at um, Mark chapter 5, because Jesus has got a reason he told the disciples to get in the boat and go across the other side of the lake. God always knows what he's doing. Yeah? Okay, all right, just checking. So verse 1 of of Mark chapter 5, they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of Gerasenes. Gadarenes, it says in the notes. When Jesus climbed out of a boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit, an unclean spirit, came out of the cemetery to meet him. This man lived among the burial caves, could not only be restrained, even with a chain. So dude is crazy strong. Couldn't be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and he smashed the shackles which were made out of iron. That's not normal. No one was strong enough to subdue him day and night. He wandered among the burial caves in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. See, like cutting was an issue back then also, but for different reasons. The same source of the problem. What I want to say before I carry reading on is this. Storms of preparation, 
Sometimes we're in the boat because God's got something for us to do. And in this case, Jesus, who is God, knew that he was leading his disciples towards a confrontation. So they were worried about the waves. What do you think they would have thought if they knew about the guy they're about to meet? (laughs) They'd be happy to go over the side of the boat and swim back the other way. But Jesus knew this. And Jesus knew that there was something coming that he wanted all of us to see. And and he was asleep in the boat because he wasn't worried about the waves. Why? Because his father had set up an appointment for him, and Jesus only did what he knew the father had for him to do. So he's resting. He's going into a confrontation from a position of rest. There's a good thought for some of you. Instead of working yourself into a frenzy and being fearful... Focus on God, the Prince of Peace is in the boat with you, and see, Jesus, what have you got for me in this preparation season? One of the other things, oh, actually, before I go too much further, I haven't got much artwork uh, to offer you, but this just represents kind of like an evil, unclean spirit. So like I said... Uh, my office was get your Pac-Man. Uh, my office was kind of like kindergarten. That's probably not good enough for year one, Davina. I'm, I, I think. But um, um, what I want you to see is the man who came out foaming at the mouth, breaking the chains. He was driven by an evil spirit. Because Jesus didn't talk to the man at the start. He talked to the unclean spirit. But weird, eh? I just had a really bad thought. Check. Okay, I'll share it. Um, imagine if some of the people that you meet during the week, you're not talking to the person. Imagine if some of the stuff that you're dealing with during the week like waves crashing and fierce storms, are actually caused by a spiritual force that's trying to distract you or kill you from the path God's got you on. This spirit is what is called a regional spirit, and there's a whole lot of theology behind that I may or may not get into this morning. It has dominant control over this area because of the sin that's happening in the Gadarenes. And... It also is tuned in in a spiritual way to know that the Son of God is coming on a boat because that's the spiritual realm. So what the Spirit does is it stirs up the waves and the wind to make a storm to detract the Son of God from getting to the destination. Some of what you're dealing with are spiritual atmospheres. Spiritual atmosphere will affect your physical environment. Some of the sickness that's going on in our church family this morning is the direct result of the spiritual atmosphere of what's happening over this church at the moment. Not because of sin, not because of issues, because we are in a war against principalities. Okay, Ephesians 6. Everyone turn to Ephesians 6. God just gave me this verse this morning, so I was praying before church. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we... And not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. That's why the, I was important that I drew Pac-Man here instead of the man. 
We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Some of what we're coming up against is because of the spirit realm, and we just need to be aware of that. We are not going to get weird and look for demons under every stone. But we have to be discerning and sensitive to what's happening around us so that we can do the right thing to change the environment. Because if we continue to operate under the influence of darkness, we will not fulfill the commission that Jesus Christ has given us for Te Aumudu in the Waipa. I've ta- I taught this before at School of the Spirit. I've talked about shifting atmospheres. When you come into an environment... Let's use the kids, teenagers' example. I went to the youth um, last year and, and talked to them about this. I said, when you walk into high school and suddenly you're confronted with the desire to kill yourself, what you need to know is it's not you. There is someone around you that is struggling with suicidal thoughts and the spiritual atmosphere around them is reaching out and smudging you all over. Or you walk into a party or an environment or a friend's house and suddenly you're overcome with lust and you have all these weird thoughts that you weren't having just before you walked in. Guess what? You've walked into a spiritual atmosphere and it's trying to affect you to distract you and derail you from the path God's got you on. Spiritual atmosphere affects your environment. You choose whether it affects you or not. The disciples responded in fear, freaking out, thinking they were going to die. They were allowing the environment driven by atmosphere to affect their behavior. When you walk to an environment filled with lust and you agree with those thoughts and your mind goes down that channel, you are agreeing with that spirit and allowing it to manipulate you. So, you don't have to do that. So here's what I teach in School of the Spirit. I see you lust. I see you fear. And I choose not to partner with you. I reject you because I'm with Jesus and he's stronger than you. And I'm going to turn away from this environment. And in some cases, I'm going to physically remove myself from that environment so that it no longer has influence over me. I will stand with Jesus. If you're as strong as Jesus, you can change the atmosphere but we're not all there yet. Lesson for another day. So Jesus has got a plan because the Father's got a plan. He's heading towards a confrontation because there's a regional spirit called Legion. Read the story. It's got to be dealt with. Jesus knows that happening, so he's taking his disciples to show us something to teach us something, and along the way, they recognize that the spiritual atmosphere affects their environment, they've got faith in the wrong thing, but storms are preparing them for something. You okay? Still with me? Okay. Let me give you another little pearl of wisdom for you this morning that's going to help some of you. Some of what's been happening in here in here, as in this room, but also in our family, is that people have been, uh, more recently, uh, coming under the influence of either fear or anxiety. There are a couple of people who have actually literally had anxiety attacks in this church during a Sunday service, because there's a spiritual force at work trying to derail us and individuals from people from where we're going. 
I'm not saying that to judge or condemn anybody. I'm saying that to make sure that you realize we're in a battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers that are seeking to destroy us. But here's what you also need to know, because this will help some of you. An alert, like anxiety, can be God's warning that something needs your attention. Sometimes God uses something like a heart rate or an anxious moment to get your attention, because you're in you're in a you're in a rhythm. You know, you're in a flow, and God's like, oi, yanks your chain for a bit. And so please don't say every time you feel bad, you get sick, or you have a little bit of worry that, oh, the devil's trying to beat me up. Let's not give him too much credit. Sometimes God's trying to get your attention to turn you towards him so that you can partner with him in what he wants to do. This was something I believe was a regional attack that Jesus knew about that he used to lead the disciples somewhere. But for some of you, you're getting that stirring. I want you first to go to God and ask Him what He's doing. Louise and I chatted about this during the week, and, um, and she told me a story. I won't get her up to tell it, but it's kind of essentially her and Gary were fishing one day, and she was watching. Now, the boys were out on a rock, and she's like all of a sudden anxious, worried, fearful, like this is weird. And she just said to Gary, please come back to me. And he's like, well, you know, the water's miles away. She's like, no, no, no. And she got to the point where she looked like a crazy woman. Her words, not mine. And um, you can ask Gary about this after church. But essentially what Gary did was give in to the crazy wife to stop having a fight. Her story, not mine. And all the husbands need to learn from it. Anyway, so he comes back with her. No sooner that he come and stood with her than a massive wave crashed over the rock that he was standing on that would have wiped him out and probably killed him. What was God doing? Getting Louise's attention through an emotion because he knew what was coming. Sometimes an alert like anxiety can be God's warning that something needs your attention. Tune in to him. Okay? Is that right? Okay, I'm just trying to help move us along here. So, Jesus... Verse 6 of Mark chapter 5. Jesus was still some distance away. The man saw him, ran to meet him, bowed low before him. This is the crazy man who we know is naked and not all of his senses are working. With a shriek, screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. Jesus had already said to the Spirit, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion. Because there are many of us, demons, that means, inside this man. Then the evil spirits, the unclean spirits, begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on a hillside nearby. This region was known for raising pigs. It was diagonally opposite on the other side of the lake from Jerusalem, the head of the Jewish church, because pigs are not considered to be a clean animal by the Jews. And here's Jesus hanging out in that area. So Jesus gave the demons permission. The evil spirits came out of the man, entered the pigs, and the entire herd of 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. Side note, what does that say about the capacity of the human soul? 
that all the demons that were in one man filled 2,000 pigs. The human soul is so much designed like God's nature that we have to be very careful how we take care of it. The pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. I won't go on, but it says that the people came back and that they witnessed this man was dressed. Praise God, Jesus had a bag of clothes with him. Um, So they dressed him. He was sitting down calmly speaking with Jesus, not the maniac that they had seen before. Jesus says to him, go into the city and tell people the good news. First missionary into that area. Decapolis, 10 cities, this man went around. Knowing who he had been, his message was widely received and many people believed. What are we trying to say here? Are you still okay? What I'm trying to lead us towards is an pro- is a, is a end of the story where we understand that our victory is wrapped up in God's promise. Because it's easy for us to read the story and go, man, Jesus, you the man. Glad it wasn't me. What if it is you? What if it is you that sits next to someone on a Sunday that suddenly has an experience that's not normal and you're going, uh-oh. Or you're at work, and someone comes to you overwhelmed with the spirit of suicide and confesses to you they're about to go and end their life, and you know that this is an attack against their future, because that's what does it. Your know, suicide is killing many, many people. We've just heard on the news about uh, a well-known. TV personality who took his own life. There are many other stories like that. Some of you may even have stories like that in your own family. Suicide in particular is a demonic force that is seeking to rob people of the future they have in God. And it binds them over a long period of time to the point where they are out of control of their own behavior. We've got to confront this. I believe we're being prepared to confront things the devil is using to destroy our town but I can't stand alone. We've got to stand as one. Jesus took the disciples with him because he's trying to make them stronger. I'm sharing this message at, uh, at, at a little bit of risk that I am leading you to a place that you're not ready for in your own mind. But I'm doing it in obedience because I believe God is preparing us for what He knows He's ready, that we're ready for. Yeah? Okay. Let's, let's let the Bible convince us. Is that okay? Okay. Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39. Paul writes... To us, Paul says, I, Paul, am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. There's a good thing to start with. Well, no matter what we go into, church, no matter what the storm looks like, what the atmosphere looks like, or what we confront, Paul says, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Someone please agree with that and say amen. 
Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Hallelujah. No power in the sky above or on the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation, will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh my goodness. Let's just lock that in right there. Hallelujah. Make sure you read that scripture over yourself um, this week. I forgot to put the little reference up for you. Colossians 1 verse 13. Let's look at that. Let's let the Bible convince us that what God is saying to us this morning is actually true. Don't trust the pastor. Trust the Bible. He, God, Paul writes to the church, He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son, Jesus, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. What did Jesus purchase? What did Jesus purchase? What did Jesus purchase? Your freedom. You are not under the bondage of those things that you confront. You are above those things that turn up. Not convinced? Hebrews chapter 2. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 2. Sorry if this is too much Bible, but you know. um. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son, Jesus, also became flesh and blood, for only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who has the power of death, meaning stealing life, meaning robbing you of your future, meaning stripping away the ability of you to walk in your prophetic promises and destiny that God designed in you before you were born. The devil has been robbed of the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives slaves to the fear of dying. So Jesus, on a mission, had his friends with him who were afraid of dying, and he says, dudes, I'm going to set you free. You do not have to walk in the fear of what's coming. We walk into it confident that Jesus has gone before us, that he has already won the victory, and it's about us stepping into that. That's why I asked Kathy to read those scriptures at the beginning of the service. Jeremiah chapter 1, God says, I knew you before you were born. I fashioned your skills and your gifts before you were created in your mother's wombs, and I've called you into a purpose. For Jeremiah, it was a prophet to declare the things of God, and he says, but I can't, I'm too young. And God says, shh, I made you. Colossians chapter 2. Verse 15, Jesus, it says, disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He stripped off their power and shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So whilst they might turn up and look like they're big and scary, they might be legion, they may be many, they may be something that you have a weakness in. Jesus has disarmed them for you. They are powerless before you because of Jesus. We need to understand that, church, that our authority is not in our strength, our qualifications, or how clever we are, or how long we've been a Christian. Our strength is in the name of 
Jesus. Awesome. Revelation 12, verse 11. You okay? I'm going to wind this up in a minute, but it's going to all be about you in a second, so be careful. Revelation 12, verse 11. Revelation 12, verse 11. And they, in speaking of you, they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They, you, the church, the representatives of Jesus Christ, have defeated him, the enemy of our souls, by the blood of the Lamb, meaning Jesus, and the word of your testimony. What is your testimony? I believe it's simply your confession that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, that you stand redeemed by him and him alone that you stand covered by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, which protects you from any attack, and that you stand righteous, victorious because of what he did and who you are because of who he is. That's your testimony right there. And you will defeat any enemy that comes against you, claiming that the blood of Jesus is the power that set you free from bondage. You are free indeed, and your testimony and confession in him is what sets you apart. And the devil will bow his knee. At the name of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Pigs will run to the lake. Yeah. What's the last one? Romans 16 verse 20. It's not the last one, but... Romans 16, Paul's writing to the church. He's winding it up. He's doing his conclusion as he always does. And he says, everyone know this. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Let me say that again in case you didn't catch it. The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. He's crushing the enemy under the steps that you take. The steps, the momentum, the walk of faith that is not your strength, but God says, I've defeated him. I will crush him under your feet as you walk in obedience. Under your feet. Come on, I hope you get excited by this. I'm going to get the kids in here shortly. And uh, I'm going to get them to get you excited because you have got to believe this to be true. And I'm hoping that even the faith of the little ones wearing the armor of God this morning is going to stir faith in you and we're going to declare something. All right? I'm doing it on purpose because I might not be able to wind you up. But when you see a child worshiping God and declaring faith in Him, you better get excited. The Bible says in Psalm 91, verse 13, you, it's all about you, you will trample upon lions and cobras, you will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. You'll crush them under your feet. You'll crush them under your feet. As you walk in faith and obedience, you'll crush them under your feet. The other reference there is the reference in Genesis chapter 3. When God is speaking to the serpent who had deceived Adam and Eve, and he said, you, he's basically saying to Eve that your seed will crush the serpent's head. And speaking of Jesus. But let's focus on you. Because I didn't come here to inspire Jesus. I came here to inspire the church. It's not about me. It's not about any one of my team rising up and being one of the Avengers. It's about you. 
Jesus has shown us the way. Let us walk in the way of Jesus. Is that a good idea? Matthew 14, verse 24 and 25. The disciples are on the same piece of water. A different time. In the middle of the night. They're walking, they're sailing along and the storm is trying to take them out again. And lo and behold, about three o'clock in the morning, I'm reading from verse 25 of Matthew chapter 14. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. They were terrified in their fear. Seems they were fearful again. Regional spirits. And they cried out, it's a ghost. Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid, take courage, I am here. Jesus walks on the water. Not a trick question. Where did the pigs go? I hope you're getting this. Jesus spoke to them at once, said, Don't be afraid, take courage, I'm here. Then Peter called out to him without thinking, probably, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. Which part do you use to walk? Dumb question. Your feet. You will crush the enemy. Jesus gives an example, but Jesus ain't here. He knows that. The whole purpose of Jesus' ministry was to empower the disciples to rule and reign under the commission that God gave mankind at the beginning of creation. Band, if you could get up on stage, we'll get the kids in in a second. We've been talking about the journey and looking at the exodus and walking into the promise. And at the beginning of Joshua, I think it's Joshua 1 verse 3, God says to Joshua, every place where your foot treads, I have given you. He was declaring and commissioning Joshua to walk into the promise and claim the promise of God by the way he walked. And he faced battles one at a time. Jesus commissions you. Why don't you stand? Let's get the kids in. I want to read the scripture. Remember, you can take photo of this after church. We're gonna, I want you to sing like you believe this message. My final scripture is Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. Kids, you can come down the front. Mark 16, verses 15 to 18. Let me read out the commission of Jesus Christ to you. Jesus said to his disciples before he left for heaven, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believed and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses... To believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. 
They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new tongues. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. Church, you have been commissioned by Jesus Christ. You've been given an armor by Him. If you don't know why these kids are wearing this, go and read Ephesians chapter 6 where Paul writes about the armor of God. When he says, you are the ones called to fight the battle. You are the ones that have been prepared to get into confrontation. That the things that are coming against us, Jesus Christ has already made the victory available to us. And those places that we step, we will crush the enemy under our feet. We must not be slaves to fear. We must rise as the victorious children of God. And we must step into the victory. We're going to sing a song. Nikita asked if we could sing, um, I'm not a, not a slave to fear, I am a child of God. We're going to sing that first. It's a well-known song. I hope you know it. Once we've finished that, there's an anthem we're going to sing. It's real simple. You're going to be able to work it out. The kids will be able to work it out. I want us to do this in one voice, in unity and agreement and spirit, that God has called us into a place where we will see victory. Amen? Let's sing. Awesome.